0: We faith that's in my
1: Good morning. The Bible says um, it is good to be in the house of the Lord, and so we are so thankful uh, for those watching and those that are here in attendance. And as always, we just want to start things off with the word of prayer. And uh, as we were reminded of the song, it is good to go to church, so let's go ahead and ask God's blessing uh, on the service today. Father, we thank you, um, Father, for this opportunity that we have to worship you. Father, whether we are watching at home or whether we're here in attendance. Father, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in your name, you're here. Um, I love the verse that says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Father, I pray that you help us today. Father, whatever we're facing, whatever difficulties, whatever uncertainties, whatever troubles we're facing, that will cast them at your feet, knowing that you care for us, knowing that you love us. And Father, we pray that every aspect of this service be for your glory and for your honor. And Father, help us to realize that we can worship you whether we're in church or whether uh, we're at home. Uh, Father, you are everywhere. And so, Father, I pray uh, that we lift up Your voice, our voices to you today. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Your mercy never fails me, and all my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake till I lay my head, oh, I will see of the good.
2: You can say that this morning. We, we are thankful to see those of you who came out to be with us um, today. And uh, we want you to worship along with us. Um, we want to invite you, if you want to stand over the next couple of songs, you feel like doing that, stand and, and worship. And uh, at home, you can do the same thing right there in your living room. And so uh, we want to sing uh, the next song. It's called Holy Spirit. And we've done it here before, but it seems appropriate. I know the Holy Spirit is everywhere, but as we start to come back together as the church, Physically, to invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of that. So I hope that you will as we sing the song. There's
0: nothing worse. the sweetest of love where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone
2: that we can come together and sing about who you are, about how good you are, and how you are present with us. God, we ask that you'll remind us this morning to lean on you, because you are all-powerful, you are all-knowing. You don't know our next step, God, and you, you care for us. And God, as we um, clear our minds uh, to focus on you this morning, we ask that you'll speak through Pastor Shiloh, that you'll speak to our hearts uh, the words that you want us to hear. We love you, and we dedicate this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. If you don't know where that is, go to Matthew and take a left and you will find it. Um, It's good to uh, have some people here in church attending, and then I know some of you are watching um, online. And we're going to continue our series of Through the Storms as we look at Habakkuk chapter 3, talking about the storm of uncertainty. The question I want to start with this morning is, when you are troubled, what do you do? When you are going through uncertainty, how do you thank God? If we're honest, and truth be told, it's hard to sing when all we want to do is sigh. It's hard for us to raise our hand and proclaim, it is well with my soul, when truth be told, it's not well with my soul. And so I do believe that God wants to hear us sing our praises to him no matter what we're facing. And I want you to understand it, and you'll see in your notes that God is more interested in our service of worship than in our worship service. I think that we've had to understand that over the last couple of weeks and months, that God is more interested in my service of worship than in our worship service. If you remember, we went through the book of Habakkuk about two years ago, And we need to understand that Habakkuk is having a dialogue between um, him and God. Habakkuk is asking God a series of questions. He's basically asking God, where are you when things go wrong? Why are you allowing this devastating thing happen? Why are you allowing these evil people to win? Habakkuk's name literally means to wrestle. And so Habakkuk is literally wrestling with God. He's wrestling with his circumstances. He's wrestling with his trouble. If, you actually, if you're already in Habakkuk, we're going to be in chapter 3, but if you look at chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, you'll actually see the very first way that it starts here is he asks God, he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear, even cry out to you for violence, and you will not save. So Habakkuk here is wrestling with God. He's wrestling with the idea of, God, if you love me, why did you allow this to happen? God, if you love us, Christians, why did you allow, let's just make it more personal, why did you allow the coronavirus, why did you allow everything to come to a halt? And what we need to understand, and sometimes we forget, that God's love is a perfecting love, not a pampering love. God is more concerned about me growing closer to him than he is about my circumstances. And so we need God the way that he is and the way that he works. Habakkuk, we see, has not been content with God. He'd not been content with the way that God was working. And let's be honest, we like God's way of working when it, when it works for us. We don't like God's way of working when we don't understand it. And God is working even when we don't see it. I would even say during this virus, some of you have, may not realize this because we've not been able to be together, but I've had more individuals contact me and call me because they are growing in their faith or they realize that they weren't where they needed to be spiritually. So I believe that God is using this as a way to wake up the church for a revival, and I honestly believe this, and, and you can take this to the bank, that I believe that in just few, just a few, time, few moments here that it, the rapture could take place at any time. I believe that God is setting that up. And so we need to understand that we need God the way that he is, not the way that we want him to be. So in Habakkuk 3, we're coming to the end of Habakkuk 3. Let me catch you up to speed. God has basically told Habakkuk that he is going to send a terrible army, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, the the most wicked, evil people of all time. He's going to send them in to punish Judah. Now, Habakkuk is longing for God to send a revival And God chooses to send this wicked, evil people to cause judgment. And so Habakkuk doesn't understand that. If you get anything about the book of Habakkuk, it's this. God doesn't change Habakkuk's circumstances. God changes Habakkuk's character. And that's what we need to understand. When we're going through a difficult time, it's not so much what we're going through, it's how we're going through it. It's not so much what we're going through, it's how we're going through it. And so we're going to look at three things here that God reveals to Habakkuk. And if you'll notice, and I don't know how your Bible has it, but the part of verse 17, it actually calls it a hymn of faith. Chapter 3 is actually a hymn that was written to be sung here during this time. Think about that. Habakkuk wrote a hymn to be sung knowing that devastation was coming. I want you to get that for a minute. Habakkuk wrote this, chapter 3, for them to sing knowing that devastation was coming. So in verses 16 and 17, we see this, that Habakkuk is going to rest in God. Verse 16 says this, When I heard, my body trembled. Have you ever felt that that way? When you got the news from the doctor, when you got the news or the, the headline, when something devastated happened, your body trembled. He said, My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself. Then look what he says that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. Look what he says in verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olives may fail, and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Habakkuk is saying there's devastation coming. And even though there's devastation coming, I'm going to wait quietly for the day of distress. When you and I do not understand what God is doing, and I don't think any of us realize what God is doing sometimes, especially now, we must wait and rest on Him. We need to rest in Him instead of rebelling from Him. Margaret Thatcher once said this, I am extraordinarily patient provided I get my own way in the end. Is that not us? I'm extremely patient as long as I know I'm going to get what I want in the end. Or we say this, I will wait on God as long as the results are what I want. And we need to understand as believers, it's not about what we want, it's about what God has provided for us. In chapter 3, you'll notice this at the end of verse 3, at the end of verse 9, and the end of verse 13, there's the word "salah" or selah, and it's the idea of wait. It appears 74 times in the Bible. And with all the occurrences, though, we usually see them in the book of Psalms. And and this phrase is like a musical rest in which the singer stops singing and the only instruments were heard, and it carries the idea of meditation or reflection. And so we're called to to meditate and pause. And what we need to do is when when we pause and when we meditate here, we need to understand we just don't need to sit and not do a thing. Let's be honest. During this time... When we wait, we worry. It's not right, but when we wait, we worry. Let me give you a better idea. When you wait, you wait with the Word of God open. When you and I wait, we need to wait with the Word of God and get what God's Word says. I love Psalms 130. In fact, it's probably one of my favorite Psalms. But in Psalms 130, verse 5, it says this, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in His Word I do hope. So as you're waiting, as we're waiting for normality to come back, if it ever will, as you're waiting for God to answer a prayer, as you're waiting for um, the doctor's results, as you're waiting for that wayward child to come back home, as you're waiting, get the Word of God open and wait in His Word. Notice that Habakkuk is waiting for something really bad to happen. He's been told in verse 3 of chapter 2, Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And yet Habakkuk still determined to wait. I want you to see what Habakkuk saw. And it's so applicable today. You'll notice in verse 17, it says the fig tree will not blossom. It says there will be no fruit on the vines. It says olive trees will not produce. Fields will not yield no harvest. And the cattle and sheep are lost. And in this agricultural society, it couldn't get any worse. Basically, here's what God was saying. You're going to starve. There's going to be a famine. There's not going to be any fruit. There's not going to be any grapes. There's not going to be any oil. And the word failed means to be disappointed. And on top of that, their livestock will be lost. Doesn't that sound like today? There is no better verse or chapter for us to look at in our time In 2020, then Habakkuk chapter 3. Because as you watch the news, they say the meat is gone, the food is gone, the toilet paper is gone. God forbid. All these things are happening. And then we see that all these people are losing their jobs. Financial instability is happening. And I'm telling you, Habakkuk 3 is good because I want you to understand. First of all, economic conditions change. Do you realize that? Economic conditions always have changed. Let me give you some examples. They changed for Joseph in Egypt. Remember, there were seven poor years. They changed for Job. He lost everything that he had. It changed during the Great Depression. They are changing right now. And I want you to understand, somebody wrote this, and they kind of gave a prophetic word of what would happen in this scenario. Just imagine. He said, you just had a conversation with God. And he told you in no uncertain term that America's days were numbered. Then imagine that God proceeded to tell you how the collapse of our nation would take place. Our economy would sink. The Dow Jones plunged from 10,000 to 100. Money would become worthless and unemployment would rise drastically. Government would begin to collapse and food would become scarce. Then at our most vulnerable time, terrorists begin to attack our country with North Korea and Iran hitting our country with warheads, so much so that half of America dies, the other half is taken into captivity. By 2025, America as we know it would cease to exist. We hear those words and we think that can never happen. Can I tell you, it is close to happening right now. Let me ask you, how have you received the message? As you watch the news, How have you received the message? Have you rested in God, or have you become unraveled? Once again, the economic conditions of the world always change. But here's some good news, and I know that's why you came. Good news, God does not change. God does not change regardless of the economic condition. God does not change, hear me, regardless of my condition. God is always the same. The stock market may rise and fall, but God stays the same. The economy may go from great to bad, but God stays the same. My health can go from bad to worse, but God never changes. And if we get anything today, may we realize that I can rest in my God because I serve a God whose kingdom cannot be shaken, and I can rest in Him. Number two, not only does he rest in God, this seems crazy, he rejoices in God, verse 18. He says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Disappointments do not have to lead to despair. I'm going to say that again. Disappointments do not have to lead to despair. I love that word there in verse 18, yet. He gives you this bad scenario of everything that's going to happen. And then he says, Yet I have a choice. Please hear me. You have a choice, your choice is your responsibility. How I respond to things is my responsibility. And so Habakkuk determined he could have just become unraveled. He could have screamed with his hands up. He could have cried out to God and say, God, you're an evil God, you don't love us. But what does he do? He rejoices in God. It's a very similar process that we see in the book of Lamentations. When Jeremiah finds all the negatives, he was filled with why questions just like Habakkuk. And yet here's what he wrote in, in Lamentations 3, 19-23. There's a verse that you're going to really know because you quote it all the time. But he says this. He says, Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, he is in torment. My soul hath been still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. And here's what we know. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. And y'all know the rest of it. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. What we need to do during this time is take our focus off of the coronavirus, take our focus off the government, take our focus off our conditions and our situations, and we need to focus on the fact that God is still faithful. Charles Finley says this, and I'm not going to give it to you all because it is a long statement, but he said, as I look around, I see too many Christians doing this. They're happy as long as everything is going well. They praise God. They're able to stand as we sung, How Great Is Our God, and they worship God when things are going well. But when things are bad, they choose not to worship God. And then he made this statement, and this is a jarring statement. He says, They have no faith in God. Faith in God is not when things are going well. Faith in God is no matter what the circumstances, I will praise Him. Chuck Swindoll said this, I'm convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I reacted. Let me ask you again. This is a jarring question. This is an a in-your-face question. During this time, how have you responded? How have you reacted? Have you re- reacted with grief? Have you re- reacted with terror? Have you reacted with fear? Or have you reacted with faith? No matter what happens, Habakkuk has already determined... To choose to rejoice. You realize I have to make that decision before anything bad happens to me that I will rejoice in God no matter what. You need to rest in Him. You need to rejoice in Him. I, I, I kind of find it difficult um, to, to praise God sometimes, amen? It's difficult. But maybe you need to be like the psalmist who said, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? What if God stopped the whole world for this, this main reason? To bring revival. What if God stopped the whole world. And some people believe. That this may be the next great awakening. Because let me just say. You don't stop the church by saying you can't come to church. The church is just a building. We are the church. Now listen. I'm glad to see people. It's a whole lot better to see people preaching. Than, than not see people. But can I tell you that God is using this time. For us to turn to him. So that he can send a great revival. And then third. Not only am I going to rest in God, not only am I going to rejoice in God, but I'm going to rely on God. Look at verse 19. And I'm only going to give you the first part because the very end of it is very powerful at the end. It says, The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high heels. The final step is to rely on the strength of the Lord. Habakkuk holds on to the fact that God is sovereign which refers to his unlimited power and absolute control. I hope during this time you've not thought, man, this virus is beyond God's control. This economy is beyond God's control. This government is beyond control. May you be reminded from Psalms and Proverbs that God is the one who places government into existence. God is the one that stirs hearts of men. And everything that's going on now is just getting ready, preparing us for the end. God is in control. Rely on him. As one person put it, if the sovereign Lord is your strength, then your strength is more than sufficient. I'm going to say that again because it's powerful. If the sovereign Lord is your strength, then your strength is sufficient. Notice also that this is not so much that God gives us strength, but the fact that God is strength. We need to remember that. It's not so much that God gives me strength. We know that he does that. It's the fact that I'm relying on God who is the strength. I think of Noah and the ark in Genesis 6. Noah is given a specific blueprint of how to build a boat and who gets to go inside. Everything is described except for the fact that there is no sail or no rudder. And if you know anything about boats, that's kind of important. Noah's responsibility was just to build the boat and rely on God that God would steer him where he wants him to go. It's a good reminder that God is in control of our lives. God is sovereign. God is in control. God is still on the throne. God has not stepped off of the throne. I'll just say this. God is seated seated at the throne. He has not even stood up one moment going, what in the world is going on? He's in complete control. Remember that God is good. As Warren Wearsby says, we live by promises of God, not explanations. Or to say it another way, He is God, and if we don't like this part, we're not. I don't know about you, but sometimes I pray and say, God, you know, God, I'd really like to tell you what you should do in this world. I I know you created it. I know you created me. I know I had no part in that. But God, if you just do it my way, then it would be so much better. Can I be honest with you? God doesn't need our uh, advice. He is God. Sometimes we secretly say this. If God is God, then why doesn't he do this? But what we should really say is, God is God, so I'll trust in Him. In chapter 1, Habakkuk was low. In chapter 2, he climbs up to the watchtower to wait for God's answer. And in chapter 3, he's walking on the heights. He has steadily progressed on an upward arc towards God. Let me ask you this morning, are you ready to move from pain to praise? Are you ready to say, God, I do not know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Let's take it home today. How do we take this message home? First of all, stay connected. Stay connected. We live in the most connected generation, yet we feel so unconnected. Stay connected. And I'm going to get a little bit more closer for our church. If you can, at all possible, stay connected. You say, well, I don't feel connected to the church. Well, come talk to me. Talk to Brother Brandon, talk to Brother Will. We will show you how to stay connected because if you get unconnected from a church, you will unravel. That's why Hebrews 10, 25 says this, let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And it says this, daily, why? As we see the day approaching, I believe that God is coming back very soon. So you know what he tells us to do? To encourage one another. It is so easy, and will be so easy. This is my fear, and I've shared this with the deacons. It is going to be so easy for people not to come back to church. Because once you get in the habit of not going to church, it's hard to get in the habit of going to church. And can I tell you, the devil will give you every excuse not to go. But can I tell you, even if you physically can't come, you can still stay connected online. I just tell people, you know, while I'm preaching online, people are talking to each other. I just hope we don't do that when we come back together um, as I'm preaching. But somebody said this. Make Sunday attendance a habit so when you can't praise, you'll continue the habit anyways. If you're watching online, here's what I suggest you do for your family. When you know it's coming on at 1030, you don't do anything at 1030 on Sunday morning but watch the service. It gets you in the habit of going and being connected together. There's other things that we'll talk about later when we're all together. Number two. Praise has to be or must become personal. Look at verse 18. He says, I will rejoice. I will be hopeful. I cannot depend on your praise for my strength. Praise has to be personal. I can't say, well, so-and-so, they truly love God and praise God for me to have strength. That praise must become personal. Here's a question. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that He died on the cross for your sins? If you don't, there is no way that you're going to be able to get through this life. In order to handle your problems, you must first let Jesus handle you. And then last, and here's the key for this whole message, turn what's wrong into a song. Habakkuk's name can mean not only wrestling, it also can mean embrace. So we see at the very beginning that Habakkuk is fighting with God. Now he has faith in God. I want you to look at verse 19, the very end, or it's actually at the very bottom of your uh, uh, the page of your Bible. It says this, to the chief musician or for the director of music on my stringed instruments. Evidently, Hab- Habakkuk wrote the lyrics and now he wants The main musician, so basically in this scenario, it'd be like I wrote it and I said, okay, Brandon, this is what we're going to sing. But I want you to go to chapter 3, verse 1. Look what it says. It has a weird word there. It says, on the shiganoth. This word is a bit mystery, but most commentators believe it refers to music or a musical instrument. Here's going to blow your mind, especially if you've been a free will Baptist in a traditional free will Baptist church. We're not going to like what this means. It means to set to wild Enthusiastic and triumphal music. Now think about what he just saw, what he just heard. What we would do in our setting is we'd get up and say, you know what, let's just sing as Well With Our Soul because we're all going to die, and I just feel encouragement. But what he says is to enthusiastic and wild music. What is he saying? He's not saying to just have an emotional outburst. What he's saying is we can rejoice And rejoicing is shouting sometimes. Rejoicing is saying, God, I worship you. Rejoicing can be hands raised. He's saying, listen, God, I'm going to rest in you because you are real. I'm going to rejoice in you because you are our creator. And during difficult times when I feel I have no strength, I am going to rely on you. Let me ask you, is it difficult to rejoice in your circumstances now? Have you got to the place during this coronavirus that you said, God, I do not understand it. God, I don't like it. It's okay to do that. But say, God, regardless of what it is, I'm still going to rejoice and I'm still going to trust in you. Job 35.10 says that God gives songs in the night. He gives songs in the night. That means during your most difficult time, And some of you know this, during your most difficult times, God will either reveal a verse or a hymn or a song. And the reason why is he wants you to know you are not in this alone. He is with you. So as we come to a moment of reflection here, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and and just think on God. What is it right now that you feel that God is trying to teach you? Have you got to the place in your spiritual walk where you said, God, I don't necessarily like what's going on. I don't understand it, but I'm still going to trust in you. Just express to God what you're feeling. He can take it and say, God, no matter what, I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to rejoice in you, and I'm going to rest in you. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, God, you know our hearts. God, we've already talked during this series about our worry, our anxiety. Our fears. And God, we are definitely living in a time of uncertainty. God, we don't know what rules will be changed tomorrow. God, we don't know if the virus will get worse or better. God, we don't know the financial situation of our country. But God, you do. God, let's just be honest with you. The economic situation in this country is not the most important thing our relationship with you is. God, help us to just stop. Stop panicking and just rest in you. God, help us to stop thinking on the negativity of everything around us. and Let us just rejoice how great is our God. And God, let us just rely on you. God if we're honest this morning I'm not in control you're in control my circumstances can change tomorrow but I serve a God who doesn't God help us to rely on that fact that you are my strength as you told Paul even in our weakness yet we are strong as Nehemiah said the, the strength of the Lord is stronger than in my weakness. Father, I pray that you be with those that are listening, those that are watching. God, help them as just to cast their cares at your feet. God, forgive us for the times that we failed you. Forgive us for the times that we focused on the things that are not important. God, help us to remember who we serve. We love you and we praise you. In your son's name, Amen. We're going to ask, as always, if God spoke to you today and uh, you would like to reach out to us, just write in the comments or send a message uh, on Facebook to us at the church. Let us know how you're doing. And just remember, we are back uh, worshiping in the sanctuary. So if you feel led, uh, we we have services at 11 o'clock on Saturday. May God bless you and keep looking up. Amen.